1: Well, hello, Raw Feeders. I'm Deedee mercer Moffat, CEO of Raw Dog Food and Company, where your pet's health is our business. And we're friends like my good friend, Dr. Judy Jasek. Well, we don't let people feed kibble, Dr. Jasek, or what? Or fix it. That's right. Because you, you can't fix it. Well. You can't fix poison. I need a fast food fixer. If we could come up with a fast food fixer, Dr. Jasek, we'd be billionaires. Oh, Yeah. Right? Right. Just take this, um, open up your hamburger, pour it in there, and you mm-hmm. can eat all the hamburgers you want because you're going to be felt, you're going to have muscle, and you're going to feel like a million bucks.
0: I, I, I was listening to a Joel Solaton um, podcast the other day, and he says, and I don't, he didn't elaborate. So I don't know exactly how this is even possible, but he said there's something like 600 ingredients in a McDonald's hamburger. Wow. 600. Six hundred. Yeah, he said, "You buy a hamburger for me." There's one. Wow, <laughs> exactly. <laughs> so I don't know. He didn't. He didn't elaborate. But he's usually pretty factual. He doesn't usually put stuff out there that doesn't have doesn't have backing.
1: But like, I yeah. wonder if McDonald's is like you know the impossible burger because I mean it's impossible to have six hundred ingredients in a hamburger. Obviously, it's not impossible. They're doing it, but. Yeah, that's and gross. If, and if one of those is actual meat, then what's the other five hundred ninety nine? That's pretty scary, right? That's sort of like <laughs> kibble, right? It's it's and so you can't fix kibble. I'm sorry, but if you want to believe that, there's nothing I could do about it. I I'm going to tell you, Doctor Jasek, this is this is how the thinking in our world has gone. So I'm gonna I'm gonna digress a little bit, and I'm gonna tell you about an incident. So on next door. Oh my next door. I don't even know why I'm on there. You know why I'm on there in case a dog gets lost so I can find it, but the whining and the Uh tattletelling and all the craziness that goes on in next door, it's like a big soap opera. It's, it's just unreal. Okay. So one of my friends, um, posted this beautiful, incredible black Fox. The the fox was so big. I thought it was a dog at first. And and obviously everybody else, because here's why. It was playing with the chipmunkle. I call them chipmunkles. So little chipmunks that yep. go in and eat the wires out of your car and cost you $700 to go and get Jeez. Oh, <laughs> those little guys. Yeah. yeah, those little guys. And so the fox, as fox and cats do, they play with their food before they eat them. Yeah. Okay. Now. It had been snowing and she took this video of this gorgeous fox playing with this chipmunkle, kind of throwing it, you know, around and wrestling with it. Obviously uh, it's getting ready to eat it. And this particular woman came on and was furious, did not couldn't believe that she would post something so vile, so mean, so cruel. And we're like, we live in the mountains. This is the way that they eat. Right. And so it was so crazy because it was like, we were the bad guys. All the people that were like, wow, we're watching nature. We're watching how things actually eat in the wild. Right. So all the time you've got people here who say, don't feed the animals. Don't give them hot dogs. Don't give them this. Okay. We don't, you want them to starve. They got to eat the chipmunkles. But my, but my point is that, and then that keeps the chipmunkles from chewing on your car wires. It keeps me from having to pay $700 to go get it fixed, (laughs) which has happened twice. Um, So anywho, I mean, I'm just like, what is happening, right? We're getting so far away from what the truth is so far away from what the way things actually work in the world. And, you know. I, I wanted to jump out there and say, you know, well, if you think that's bad, you certainly don't want to watch how, you know, food is made in our industry.
0: Right. I mean, look at the, you know, feedlots. You think that's bad? I right? mean, the, the chipmunkle and the fox, I mean, a- animals in feedlots are tortured for, I mean, they're literally fed to the point of obesity and, you know, metabolic, I mean, they, You know, they say that animals that they slaughter in feedlots are ready to die anyway. They're so sick from all the stuff that they're feeding them. So at least the chipmunk had a really great life till the fox got it.
1: You know, right, right. And I mean, this fox was so beautiful, so beautiful. And I want to say the you want to take the chipmunk away and give the fox kibble so he can look like crap and die. No, right. there's no fix for that. I'm sorry. There's no fix. Is that but what the person wanted to do?
0: That that was complaining about it.
1: I'm I, she. She just thought that we were um, psychopathic because we were enjoying seeing the killing of a chipmunkle. Now, the video didn't show a killing. You could pretty much figure out that's that's what's going to happen, right? I mean, cats, cats play with mice. They, (laughs) you know, they. Oh, we had one
0: of our cats and I'll tell you, I mean, I, I, you know, we're out here in nature and I I have, I understand nature, but it was kind of hard to watch one time. One of our cats came up with, had a little, it was actually a good size bunny. You know, it was, you know, pretty good little bunny, but it was carrying it. And I'm like, oh, Chester, you know, kill the bunny. So he comes down and he's on our back patio, puts it down, scurries off. The bunny scurries off. So it wasn't dead yet. He runs after and you hear the bunny scream, you know, bunnies scream when they get caught, catches it. And he was just, it was a game. It was fun for him to catch it and let it catch and release, catch and release and kept catching it and kept, I mean, he did that at least a half dozen times, I think. And then, you know, finally, and it was like, okay, this is a little hard to watch, but that's what happens. And you know what? It doesn't matter what you eat. Even if you're vegan, something's dying for you to eat. Whether it's, you know, like I could say, well, plants have consciousness. Why is it okay to eat plants and not animals? Or what about the earthworms and the fungi that die in those monoculture fields where they're growing your, you know, soy and beans and the stuff you're eating if you're vegan? You know, something dies for us to eat. That's just a fact of life. But I think people are just so far removed from that. They just don't, it's like, oh, meat, meat, meat comes from the
1: grocery store, not from an animal. Right. <laughs> like, on, like get real. Right. And, and so anyway, it's just, you know, maybe that was a little stretch of going back to the, 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 uh, kibble fixer, but I'm, I'm just saying that, that look what we need to concentrate Dr. Jasek on the things that we can definitely change and we're going to talk about some crazy information that's coming from uh, our state here, Central State University, the veterinary oncologist, and uh, just something that, that you and I are just like, wow, that is crazy. Uh, and we're going to talk about that uh, cancer patient. It's a cancer patient and what they are recommending for this cancer patient. But before we mm-hmm. get to that, we have a question. And so I want to pose this question to you. And this is coming from Jennifer. You guys remember, you can send your questions in. We will answer these right here on The Raw Dog Food Truth. Okay. So Jennifer wants to know, uh, Jennifer's out in Seattle, Washington. Okay. She says uh, she listens to the podcast. So we thank you for that, Jennifer. But she says, she doesn't have an integrative veterinarian anywhere near her. And she was excited because she thought she did, but it turns out that they require a rabies vaccination just to come in the door. Shocker. Yeah, all right. Sucker. All right. So here's what she wants to know. She said all 10 of her puppy's siblings will get their parvo vaccinations on Saturday, November the 4th. Okay. Um, could this somehow cause my puppy harm and expose them to parvo? Um, she said she'll, she, because she's going to be bringing this puppy home at the end of November. So the puppy's going to be with the breeder. All the siblings are going to get their parvo sh- shot. Okay. Um, right now, she's only four weeks old. That means that this parvo shot is going to go into her. And she's going to be about five weeks old, Dr. Jasek. And oh, oh, she says the breeder gives the parvo at five and seven weeks. And she's asked the breeder not to vaccinate her puppy. Breeder has agreed. I will say, Jennifer, we know a lot of breeders that agree and they do it Uh anyway. Not to cause you any anxiety. Okay. And (laughs) that's a lot of puppies to like
0: keep track of and, you know
1: right? Wait, did I give that one a shot? Did I give that one? Anyway, um, she said um, she wants to know if her puppy is going to be um, harmed because all the other puppies are going to be vaccinated and hers isn't. Now, I've heard of both ways that you know, sometimes that's good for the puppy that hasn't been vaccinated. But anyway, what's your take on this whole puppy parvo, get it, don't get it? It's a tough one. Yeah.
0: Yeah. Yeah. I mean, I definitely wouldn't be giving it at that that young age. And I too would be concerned if the breeder was vaccinating all the other puppies and then you just have no way of knowing for sure that your puppy's not getting vaccinated, but she's going to believe her breeder. I I don't think, I, I've never seen a case where I felt like a puppy actually got sick because of being around a puppy that's been vaccinated. I've actually probably seen more of the opposite, that those puppies, they get a little bit of exposure, but because the actual parvo in the vaccine, well... If there's even this thing called viruses. I mean, it's like like we were saying on the podcast, like I don't feel like I know anything anymore. Right. But assuming this is a denatured virus in the vaccine, as the narrative would say, it's not supposed to be strong enough to cause disease. It just causes this, you know, stimulation of the immune system. If that were to be shed, I don't think it'd be strong enough for another healthy puppy to get sick. And and the puppy's not getting. I think the really dangerous things in the vaccines, like the heavy metals and the preservatives, and and the um, just the fact that this is getting injected into the body. At least her puppy, if she, if say these puppies that are injected, shed some of what's in the vaccine in their poop. It's a natural route of exposure. That puppy is going to be smelling the poop or eating the poop. You know, because puppies do that. Um, but that's the natural route of exposure. I think part of the problem why vaccines cause so much problems is this stuff's injected and the immune system has no way of dealing with that, especially in a five-week-old puppy. So honestly, I think she'll be fine. I, I don't think I'd worry about that.
1: Well, let's say that a puppy does end up with Parvo. So we got bloody diarrhea, we got vomiting. You want to make sure that you do what? If you're seeing this in your puppy, what should they do?
0: Probably the most important thing is hydration. And I would say that most puppies with parvo, you, you can't treat them at home because of the hydration issue. Um, even giving like subcutaneous fluids, like you could get a bag of fluids. And I've seen some cases treated that way, but it's hard to get enough fluid into them and to keep them hydrated. Um, I think that's really what kills the puppies is the, is the dehydration. Um, and, and just so they have to be on IV fluids and you just have to really keep them super hydrated. And that usually requires hospitalization. I used to, when I had my clinic, cause we didn't have overnight care. I, I treated some puppies where, um, we'd have them in there all day and then send them home for the nighttime and they bring them back every day. So we're pushing the fluids all day and then they'd be okay at home at night, it, people, wanted to choose that rather than, you know, the exorbitant expenses of the ER, but they really need that hydration. And quite importantly, don't vaccinate when they're sick. I had a client tell me that her neighbor's dog was diagnosed with with parvo and um, they took it in to be treated and they vaccinated it, saying that this will help keep the dog from getting it again. Well
1: that make sense.
0: It makes no sense, and it's. I was always taught, even in like conventional immunology, that vaccines don't work after exposure. It, it, the only way a vaccine is going to work is if you give it ahead of time, so you can build mount this immune response and have the uh, have the antibodies. And I think in in you know, where the puppies already run down. That vaccine is going to most likely run it down even more, and what about natural immunity? You know, I mean a puppy that has parvo probably is going to have a good strong immunity from a natural exposure. So why on earth are we, you know, putting these, you know, vaccines into these sick in- individuals? That's just it's just so incredibly negligent.
1: And you said that puppy died.
0: No, this puppy, this one, this most recent one did not, but I had another one. This was a client um a number of months ago that um, that went in was like raw fed, did the no didn't do conventional vaccines, knew somebody that their dog was tested positive for Parvo. And then their puppy got sick and they took it in and it died. And I was shocked, like, cause puppies like that with, you know, hydration and everything um, they should do fine. And then it made me wonder, well, what are they treating these puppies with? And I never asked if that dog had been vaccinated. Um, but it makes me wonder if they're vaccinating and then they're just pumping them full of all these antibiotics and all these medications, and their bodies are just too weak, you know, to handle all that stuff, you know. Um, so yeah. Kick them
1: weather know. down, kick them weather down, Dr. Jacek. Hey, You're sick. Let's give you a bunch of toxins. It's like the profession is just murdering our pets.
0: I mean, it is really. It's just and 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 so little empathy for pet parents. It's it's so disheartening, it really is. Mm-hmm.
1: It is, and uh, to back that up, <laughs> Doctor uh it we gets were really, worse. Yeah, it gets worse, <laughs> it gets folks. <laughs> um. So this information that we're going to talk about today, um, is coming from. A client who had an oncology consult because her dog is diagnosed with cancer. And I mean, we read these things, and I'm certain that pet parents read these things and they're thinking, well, this is an oncologist. So I should totally trust this oncologist. Uh, They know exactly what they're talking about. And you and I read this stuff, and we're like, what in the world is happening? Okay, so here, just the first sentence coming from the oncologist says this, diet recommendations. You do not need to change your pet's diet just because he or she has been diagnosed with cancer, but it's a good time to optimize your pet's nutrition by ensuring adequate nutrient and calorie intake for overall health and the most important consideration is making sure that calorie calorie and essential nutrient needs are met so they're suggesting for most pets with cancer our goal is to maintain weight although underweight pets should gain weight and and some overweight pets may benefit from losing some weight okay before we get into the other ridiculousness in this Their overall goal, Dr. Jasek, is not what kind of calorie, is not that the dog needs to clean out the carbs, it is they just want this cancer patient to gain weight.
0: Right, so any kind of empty calories are okay, as long as they're not losing weight. And then you just throw a multivitamin in, you just fix it, (laughs) and you fix it with a multivitamin And they don't lose weight and, but you know, the oncologists only deal with them for five or six months and then they either, you know, die or, you know, move on to someplace else or people seek other treatments or something. They don't, they don't treat these pets long-term. So they don't see the, you know, ongoing ill effects of what they're recommending. They just kill them with chemo anyway. So I guess the diet doesn't matter if you're going to kill them with chemo anyway. So. Probably they're accurate there,
1: you know, it's the same thing in people, right? They're like, "No, you don't need to change your diet. You don't need to mm-hmm. stop feeding the cancer. You don't need right? to do that. Just gain some weight,
0: yeah, they in- encourage it. Eat the ice cream and the cake and stuff that's really high in calories to you know keep your weight off because they make a lot of money selling chemo, you know, so keep people keep people sick, and it keeps them coming in for more treatments,
1: okay. so remember this. This is a veterinary oncologist. So we've got number one, diet doesn't matter. Okay, you got cancer, diet doesn't matter. We just need you to put a bunch of empty calories in your body. Nutrition doesn't seem to matter. Now, here's what they do recommend. (laughs) They recommend diets that are AAFCO, feeding trial approved. Now, that statement right there for a, a, a lot of people would seem like that's pretty smart until you go to the article and you can find this in our FAQs. Okay. And, and it's under why the f- raw foods say for supplemental feeding only in that article will tell you what this AAFCO feeding trial is all about. AAFCO feeding trials. Typically, it's about, I don't know, you only have to have six dogs, Dr. Jasic, and they don't test a whole lot of nothing. But, you know, AAFCO approved, these are not it's not a testing. It's not a regulation. It's just this group of people that came together and um, it's AAFCO approved. That's and isn't, like,
0: the, isn't the testing, like the dogs just have to be like breathing at the end of it. Like they don't have to be thriving. They don't have to be in good health. They're not monitoring blood work or anything like that. It's just that they survive for like six months or something. Correct, Correctamundo. Um, uh, on a food that's so awful. So, you know, six months later, they could be dying of cancer. But in that six-month period, as long as they're still, you know, breathing and their heart's beating, well, then it's
1: it's good food. Right. So that whole information is right there in the FAQs. And why does raw food say for supplemental feeding only? Well, because we have to say that because they believe or they push the narrative out there, which I think is, 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 uh, a correct statement that you need the synthetic vitamins and minerals. And we don't really know. I mean, this is the group that is saying just give them anything, give them empty calories during, you know, their cancer diagnosis, but also give them synthetic vitamins and minerals. Okay. So that's like telling the Fox, no, you can't have the chipmunkle. We got to pull the chipmunkle away. We're going to give you kibble. Okay. Cause that's better for you. Mm -hmm. right? Mm -hmm. That's a bunch of bunk. Anyway, (laughs) raw food doesn't typically, there are some raw foods out there that do have synthetic vitamins and minerals, but that is basically what that means. They don't believe that real food has real significance. And you know, in the interview that we did with Dr. Billinghurst, father of raw, written four books on this. He said, look, I don't care if it's not organic. I don't care if, you know the soil is you know not as good as it used to been a raw diet is going to be superior to any of this crap that they're putting out there
0: absolutely absolutely even if there's a, if there's a few synthetics thrown in which i don't advocate but at least you're getting the good nutrition of the raw food in a kibble type diet the, those synthetics are, are supposedly there to make up for the fact that it's so void of nutrition in the first place. So they're trying to fix it. Um, you know, synthetics added into raw, well, at least they're getting the benefit of the, you know, of the raw food to begin with.
1: So for these animals, Dr. Jason, who have cancer, right? They're in a compromised position their body is not working well. Here is what the veterinary oncologists uh, recommended: Hills Science Diet, IMS, Purina Pro Plan, Royal Canin, and Just Food for Dogs. Now, they've also said if you want a formulated kibble or canned food option, the Hills Prescription Diet has recently been evaluated, and there's significant increase in uh, the calorie intake with that, which they find is just fabulous. Now, you and I have done podcasts on these crappy diets, and this is what the veterinary oncologist is telling a pet parent with a dog with cancer.
0: Right? Right. Because they know nothing else. They're not you know, I I think they intentionally keep veterinarians dumbed down when it comes to nutrition. They don't teach them anything. They just teach them to, to sell these foods. And if, and if this person said that, you know, they were feeding, if they were feeding a raw diet, told them they were feeding a raw diet, then um, that oncologist would have just come. Matter of fact, I think she did. I think this client was already feeding raw. Oh yes. Yes. That's right. Because she said the oncologist didn't even address the diet issue until she said that she was feeding raw. And then when she said that, the oncologist kind of came unglued and then gave this whole, you know, spiel. And, and the client knew that she was getting all this information because she was, because she was actually feeding raw and, and told the oncologist that.
1: So we got strike one, uh, that diet doesn't matter. Number two that you feed a a substandard food. And then number three, she said cancer diets. Okay. And, and you know a lot about cancer diets. She said, one of the very first nutrition related questions that many owners ask after their pet has been diagnosed with cancer is whether they should switch to a quote unquote cancer diet. Here's what she says about cancer diet, this veterinary oncologist. She says, these typically share two main characteristics. They supply a high portion of calories as fat, and they concurrently limit the portion of calories provided as carbohydrates. Well, we would be fine with that. That's a little Mm -hmm. bit of correctness there that we would say, yeah, of course. You want to take the carbs out. You want to increase the fat but she goes on to say this few objective data exist to support this dietary approach for most most dogs or cats with cancer especially as a blanket automatic recommendation not all dogs and cats tolerate high fat diets well with potential complications including but not limited to vomiting diarrhea and pancreatitis and she said this is where they 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 throw in a little bit of truth and they kind of skew it. And she said, some of these signs can easily be confused with side effects of anti-cancer therapies, such as radiation and chemotherapy. Mm-hmm. Right? Mm-hmm. So it's it's not the radiation or chemotherapy, Dr. JC. No, 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 no. Don't you look over there? Exactly. Nope. It is the high fat and the lack of carbohydrates. Right. Does that make any sense to you? yeah no it
0: doesn't doesn't make any medical sense, but I will tell you i see it see it all the time. pets get sick, and clients really buy into this. you know pets that are getting chemotherapy and their pet sick will you know gets diarrhea. Well, do you think I had this conversation a couple of weeks ago? Well, do you think it's due to the mistletoe, like say we're doing mistletoe or the herbs or I'm thinking maybe I did this, you know, food transition. If it's a dog that we transitioned onto a raw diet, well I think maybe we just did the transition too fast. And I was I was having this conversation with a client and I must have said at least, you know, three or four times, no, I actually think it's the chemo. Well, I I think it's cuz we did that diet transition too fast. No, I I think it's the chemo. Well, maybe maybe we need to reduce the mistletoe dose. No, I really think it's the chemo. Like people just don't want to don't want to hear it because they've been told this by the oncologist and then that that sticks with them. They hear chemo doesn't make their dog sick and that's what oncologists tell tell people all the time. Dogs tolerate it, people get sick from chemo, but dogs tolerate it much better. And uh, they don't get sick from chemo. So people have that in their mind that it can't possibly be the chemo. And I don't know what makes them so believable. And I'm just mashed potatoes or something, you know, chopped liver, (laughs) you know, like it doesn't matter what I say, it doesn't change their mind because the oncologist told them something different.
1: Right, right. And so the question would be, Let's see all, I wish we could see all the records and all of the dogs that supposedly these types of recommendations have helped. How many of these dogs have gone on to lead healthy lives for long periods of time, yeah. right?
0: Well, I mean, the, the thing is with the oncologists, I mean, they'll just tell people, your pet has three to six months to live, you know, if we do chemo, maybe we'll give it a couple more months, but they don't, they don't make any kind of grand promises, and then they just poison the pet until they die. And then people are okay with that because they've just been told that a pet has cancer and this is sad, but this is just all, all you can do. There just aren't any other options. So people just believe, well, I guess my pet's just going to live a few more months. They don't see the other side where there are other things we could do where the pets could live longer and have much better quality of life.
1: All right, so they go on, she goes on to talk about raw meat diets. Now, we are familiar with this one. Just a little uh, bit. A little bit. I don't know, 25 years. I guess it's just not enough time, Dr. Jasek. Not enough time to be familiar with a raw meat but diet. she
0: knows, this yeah. person you're reading, she knows all about it.
1: She knows all about it because she feeds real Canin. Mm-hmm. Okay, and mm-hmm. so somehow that translates into, I know all about a raw meat diet. All right, here's what this veterinary oncologist from Colorado State University had to say about a raw meat diet. Well, there's still no scientific evidence of any health benefits of raw meat diets. Multiple studies, which are not quoted, there's no footnote here, uh, multiple studies have shown that these diets can have a variety of nutritional imbalances that could put your pet at risk for health problems. Now. What, what kind of nutritional imbalances, what kind of raw diet, which study can I see the study? No, that's not in here.
0: And they don't tell, yeah, they don't say, well, what's in the raw, because I've seen plenty of raw diets done poorly and with poor nutrition. If people are trying to do it on their own and they don't understand how to put it together, you can't just go to the store and buy a bunch of hamburger and feed it and have a balanced diet. So yeah. What, what diet are they talking about and quoting nothing like just pulling it out of her sphincter sphincter
1: (laughs) sphincter news. There's an alert, (laughs) which I, you know, Dr. Ian Billinghurst was saying the same thing. He said, Vets scare pet parents, and they don't have any real studies to back this up. No in-depth studies to back this up, and it and just going on to read this. This is this is utterly, hilariously it's ridiculous.
0: Dis- it's disgusting. Yeah,
1: yeah. So here's what they say. She said, "Um, you know the potential problems with raw food diets. Now, and, and we're go- and she's going to come at it from both sides, both home prepared and commercial." So you can't make your own so you know what's in it. And you can't work with a company like ours because there's little in it, right? So she's going to hit it from both sides. Here's the problems with these raw diets, according to the veterinary oncologist from Central State. She said it relates to safety, Dr. Jason, and the example she gives is an upset stomach, foreign bodies, obstructions due to bones, pancreatitis. And hyperthyroidism, and then the more recent studies have reports of antibiotic resistance because you're feeding real food. Yeah, you
0: know that you know that hyperthyroidism thing that really makes me laugh. I I actually even heard Dr. Karen Becker say this once that you have to be careful to not feed too much of the neck or too many tracheas, and I'm like. Okay. And I'm thinking, so how, how do like carnivores in the wild kill their prey? They usually go in for the throat. They take them down the back end, right? And then they go up here and they strangulate them. So if this were true, then I'd say all of our wild carnivores are running around with hyperthyroidism because they're right there where the thyroid, it's ridiculous that you're going to get enough with that blended in with everything else you're feeding To cause hyperthyroidism, like
1: first of all, we take they take the thyroid out. You know, they 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 don't you don't feed the thyroid. And remember, there was that whole thing. Well, there could be little pieces, little bits left, little bits left. Oh my gosh! I'm just like, where do you what? Sphincter news news. and people and people don't
0: don't question because I think about it like you did. Well, what is this information based on? And you know, doctor oncologist, how many patients have you actually seen on raw food? Because unless you've experienced it clinically and you're only believing what you read, you don't know crap about it. You know, it, it, you know, because it, for to have experienced the way I got on board with feeding raw, well, it started to make sense to me. But then the real turning point was I just saw how much better my patients did. So if you're not, how can you say it's bad and it's going to make them sick and all this when you've never, you have zero experience. She's totally just talking out her butt.
1: Well, and the thing about it is, do we see dogs that have that vomit? Yeah, we do. Some dogs will vomit because they're eating the rabbit and tripe and it's got so much fur in it. Mm-hmm. Right. Or if you feed tripe, 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 dogs are going to vomit or you feed the same thing over and over again. Maybe it's too cold. The question is what's happening, right? right. What What is happening? Because I've got a puppy right now. Now they're in Florida. Uh, This puppy, fine on pork, fine on lamb. But when it eats tripe, it regurgitates. I don't know why. You know, there's a lot of digestive enzymes in tripe. Um, You know, it is calcium phosphorus balance. But why? I have no idea. But I'm looking at it. And you're probably thinking the same thing. It's like, lamb's a really hot protein. Pork doesn't work for every dog. And yet this puppy can eat that, those blends without any digestive upset at all.
0: Mm -hmm.
1: The, the, The biome, the gut biome is totally different in every animal. So find the one that suits your dog the best. Try not to feed them rabbit and tripe for the next two years of their life. Right? right, I mean that's first of all that's totally imbalanced, and I can't. I mean that's a lot of fur. um All right, so they go on to say, um you know, and pancreatitis. Uh, well, the one that that blows my mind here: foreign body obstructions yeah. due to bones.
0: Yeah, because those ground bones that happens all the time, right? Don't you have lots of people coming to you and saying, "Yeah, that food just blocked my dog up."
1: <laughs> like, you know what? Um, Amanda, our daughter who's a vet, she sees more obstructions of fabric, socks, panties, um, those puppy pads, um, any kind of diapers, toys, mm-hmm. plastics th- that cause obstructions far more than a bone. And 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 Dr. Jacek, your little and I tell people this all the time, your little five-pound chihuahuas right? Ate the blends. And maybe there was on occasion, a bone that was the size of my little, you know, pinky fingernail. They'll leave it in the bowl if they don't want it.
0: And She never, never vomited a bone. I might maybe re- like occasionally I'd see a little piece in her poop, but never vomited. It was never a problem. She never left. Now our cats will sometimes leave pieces of bone in the bowl, but she never did. Never, and all the fifteen years I had her, and she ate raw, the you know the whole time. So yeah, that that's going to cause obstructions. And think about, you know, I always tell people, no cook bone, no cook bone. Right. How many dogs do you think eat cook bone all the time? People are throwing them their t-bones, and or they get into the garbage, and they're eating, you know, the leftover chicken. I mean, most of those dogs are still fine. I, Still not advocating feeding cooked bone, but most of those dogs are still fine it is it's the foreign objects, the foreign um fabrics I had a client telling me last week her dog um they had a like a sewer problem or something they they had a sink problem in their kitchen and and um a kitchen sponge got covered in this stuff, and you know dogs like disgusting stuff, so the dog was investigating and ended up eating the sponge, and they didn't even know it um cause it was all a mess in their kitchen and then the dog started vomiting and everything. And so that's fun. It's anything that's rough will often get caught fabric, you know, something that's not smooth and, uh, and, and slippery. Like I can see like the pee pads cause it's an absorbent surface. So it's going to get stuck to the intestinal wall, corn cobs. That's a, that's a bad one. Um, at, you know, people at barbecues in the summertime, they give the dogs the corn cobs to chew on. And, and that's a rough, rough surface. And it will, um, it will cause block rocks. Max scares me to death because he's always got a rock in his mouth. And
1: the, I, the one thing about the rocks though, Dr. Jasek, I mean, it's not like a, they're going to have, you know, a fabric tail on them. That's going to seesaw, you know, back and forth. It seems like to me, I mean, could it block it up? Probably, but don't you think he would just pass those right out the sphincter?
0: If they're, I think if they're
1: smooth. They would. I mean,
0: some of these are, you know, kind of, I mean, I have seen blockages from rocks. um, So I do know it can happen, but yes, they can pass them. Cause I've had people ask me, people that have a lot of like landscaping rock Mm -hmm. uh, pea gravel. And they're like, yeah, my puppy's just pooping out all these rocks, you know, like, is it okay? (laughs) Well, probably would try to avoid it, but yeah, they they pass. I mean, they really can pass a lot of stuff and it's probably, is more the synthetics the the things that they would not eat in nature in nature you know they eat everything I mean everything I mean I I, I don't even know how Max is alive for all the stuff he puts in in his mouth <laughs> he's he's eating this we got some kind of tree I don't know it's a they almost look like little plums or something on the he just loves them he just goes right over there eating and eats, eats no he's got these big they look like kind of like giant dark brown pumpkin seeds and half his poop will will (laughs) eat that i'm like what am i gonna do like i'm not gonna he's not killing him he's acting fine so uh you know just let him have his have his fun out there i don't know why he likes him but evidently he does but then you know i got thinking you know they say that pumpkin seeds you know can help with parasites and stuff and like well maybe dogs this is how they cleanse themselves in nature in the fall, when the fruit's falling, they eat these things. Maybe there's some seeds that, you know, it's a natural thing to clean them out. I, I don't know. Or he's just being a puppy, but.
1: Well, I would I tell you this, that I have a a, a big pot that is on um, my deck where the dogs can walk right out and it's full of herbs and Asta will go out there and just chomp on it. Lossie will take her face and literally just rub her face all over mm-hmm. the herbs. And I'll so, perfume. yeah, she's like, I smell so good. <laughs> uh, but yeah, it, I mean, there's peppermint, there's thyme, there's, there's different things in there mm-hmm. um, that wasn't made for the dogs. I didn't even actually make it a, a neighbor of mine that moved and couldn't take all of her, you know, thousand plants with her. I ended up with a lot of them. And uh, that was one. And I, I've, I've weathered it over for years now. And the dogs just love it. So, yeah. So, um, yeah. so this, this thing about foreign bodies in raw food, I would have ha- said, well, give me an example. Yeah. Yeah, what what exactly. foreign bodies are we talking about here? Right? And then this one. Reports of antibiotic resistant dogs because they're eating a raw diet. I am just blown away by somebody that is supposed to be so educated. What? And we did see this come out, Doctor Jasek. We we did see this. um, There was a blurb out there about it, and we were like, "How do you even get there?" Yeah, get there
0: from from a somebody that's probably prescribing antibiotics left and right to her patients undoubtedly building bacterial resistance, but gonna blame it on the on the meat. Now I have, I guess I have heard that if you know, like even if we eat um meats that are like from feedlots that are heavily where antibiotics are heavily used and you're actually ingesting the antibiotics along with the meat. Um but you know like your products and the products we recommend are typically don't have those antibiotics. So but compared to the antibiotic resistance she's probably creating in her practice by prescribing, yeah, that's a way big stretch.
1: Well, first of all, you know this, and 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 I will say that any of my pet parents are going to relate to what I'm going to say because it happens to them all the time. You take your dog in and you walk out with antibiotics. And if I ask the pet parent or I ask the vet what was the bacterial strain that you cultured to warrant this particular antibiotic half the time they haven't cultured anything no. No. and a pet and especially if you ask a pet parent that what was the bacteria that was so overgrown that you had to get the antibiotic for i don't know It's not my job to know. It's my vet's job to know. Well, in today's world, I think it's going to be your job to know.
0: Yeah. You got to start asking the questions because the vets don't know. They just throw antibiotics just in case, you know, Oh, just, I don't know. We don't know what's going on. So uh, let's just give them some antibiotics and some pain meds and send them out the door. Now I gave them a prescription. So my job is done and I can, you know, move on to the next, next case and the next, next prescription. You know, they, they don't, they don't know what they're treating like, all these diarrheas that just, you know, people say, oh, my dog's on an anti-diarrheal. Oh, metronidazole. Like, yeah, yeah, yeah. That's it. Like it's an antibiotic. You know, it's not an you know, they tell it's an anti-diarrheal. This is a drug that's going to help. So they're thinking it's, they really misrepresent it to a lot of pet parents. That it's something that's going to maybe calm things down, soothe the gut. That's what I would think if I hear anti-diarrheal, it's like, no, it's an antibiotic. And when they're treated with, with metronidazole over and over and over and over and over again, it quits working and you've really screwed up you know, your, your microbiome. So the so the vets can really misrepresent things. That's why pet parents have to ask tons and tons and tons of questions. And your vet isn't going to like it. They don't like being questioned. And why do they like being questioned? Because they have no backing for some of the stuff that they're saying. They just are used to people believing you know i'm the doctor and i just expect people to do what i say and and you know believe what i'm telling them and not question so you question and you have every right to question you should question because that's how you advocate for your pet but your vet isn't going to like it they they don't they don't like when like intelligent people go in and act, actually um ask them questions they can't answer
1: we do not have time for intelligent people that's right don't bring in the intelligent people. They're we gonna to take the sh- my time. We want the sheeples. <laughs> right? The mass, sheeple, the mass sheeples. <laughs> sheeple. Sheeple who used to be people. Okay, I like that song. Anyway, uh, all right. So they are saying I-, I love it how they say antibiotic resistant is coming from raw fed dogs. Not that we uh give antibiotics for every uh, you know. Tom, Dick, and Harry. Okay,
0: right. so be, so if their antibiotics don't work, now they've got something they can blame it on.
1: Of course, eating, by eating
0: raw, because it's Look not over them.
1: Here. Right, yeah, right. Look over here, not over here. Okay, right. All right. So we go on. So this, I don't know how many strikes against this veterinary oncologist we have, but uh, quite a few. Now I'm going to give you even more. Now this one we hear all the time. What do we have to laugh, laugh, laugh? Uh, because a larger concern, this veterinary oncologist from Central State says, is the high risk, Dr. Jasek, high risk of bacterial contamination with salmonella, listeria, and other pathogenic bacteria. And if it's not enough to scare you that it's going to cause your dog problems, well, these diets, they pose a risk not just to your animal with cancer. That's immunocompromised or immunosuppressed, but it's also going to cause problems with other pets that you have, Dr. Jasic, and people coming into contact with those eating the raw diet. Now, if that was true, I should be dead. Right. Right. I'm just, I I just, I'm like, how did... uh, Th- yeah. th- this is this this is just gosh i don't even know what the word is evil i that's one thing i want to say but i should just say stupid um i'm not sure there's a lot yeah. of adjectives that i could use
0: yeah yeah it, yeah uh, you know it, ignorant i i don't know brainwashed they're programmed really is what is what they are the vets are programmed by big pharma and and these big you know, corporate food companies to recommend this stuff. And sadly, as long as there's enough of them saying the same thing, it doesn't even have to be true. And then it becomes the truth because everybody's saying the same thing. So you can talk to your colleagues and like, yeah, that's what I do. Yeah, that's what I do, that's what I do. And so everybody's doing it. So then it becomes standard of care and then it's okay. Even if it doesn't make any sense. I mean, this whole idea that a dog eats raw food and then is somehow dangerous to a human in the household. It's the most absurd thing I've ever heard. It's, it's like some um, service dog industries will not allow participants because they go into uh, nursing homes and hospitals and things like that. So they're around sick humans. They will not allow dogs into their program that are eating raw. So these, you know, lovely dogs and people that want to help and be of service in the community. And. You know, sick people. We know how much it benefits people to be around pets. So everybody's being deprived of this wonderful service because a dog's eating raw, and it doesn't even make any sense. It doesn't even make it that like that raw is like that. There's bacteria, like like hanging out in their mouth after they eat the like. It doesn't even make any sense, and they couldn't even justify it. Like I'd love to ask when it's somebody that says that. Well, can you explain to me exactly how that works? So even if there is bacteria in the raw, how is that then, you know, transmitted? It doesn't make any sense. And I don't know why people don't see that it doesn't make any sense and ask questions because I sure would.
1: Well, first of all, our biggest organ is our skin, right? And if you're putting toxic foods and, and there is ample mountains, buttloads, sphincter loads of information and Science that shows kibble like this crap that this veterinarian oncologist Purina Pro Plan, you know these Hills diets. There's ample ev- uh information that shows that it's toxic, that it has non-sustainable life ingredients in it. Okay, now it's going to come out through the skin, and. We have people that start sneezing, that start coughing when they're around these type of dogs. Now you're going to take these dogs, these dogs who are eating toxic food that's clearly got to come out through the skin, and you're going to have these people petting that dog, touching their face and everything else. But that's okay. That's okay. We're going to put those toxic dogs, highly vaccinated, eating kibble crap, sphincter food, going in to, um, places where, you know, people are not, not well. Yeah. Now, I actually uh, knew a gal
0: once who, uh, wanted, she wanted to get two kittens and her, her fiance at the time was, um, just horribly allergic. Like if he held a cat, like he like couldn't breathe, he'd like swell up and she really wanted these kitties. So she decided to adopt the kitties And she kept them outside of her home and fed them raw for like a month before she took them home. Zero. So these cats would sleep on his chest and no problem. So that's really, truly a thing. And that's a really good point. Like what is harming the people, the people more, you know, I took, um, just speaking of just shaking, shaking your head at what people think I I took max to Lowe's (laughs) yesterday,
1: <laughs> like, How did Max do at Lowe's?
0: Well, overall, I'd say he did really well. Um, being in a completely strange place and he's like these automatic doors, like that was like really kind of like, wow, what is that? You know. Um, but uh, he I need to get him some more dog socialization because we were walking and there was a gentleman there that had a dog and he had he the dog was just standing there by him. He wasn't holding on to the leash. And this was just a very gentle older dog came walking over, and Max just like was terrified. So I got, I got to get to him some doggy socialization, but anyway, I was talking to the guy and this dog had this, like, it was, it was red. Its back was just all red and irritated and, and it was missing fur. And it was, you know, in these, you know, overweight little kibble dogs. And I said, Oh, what's going on with, you know, your dog's skin. Oh, oh, well, you know, we put that flea and tick stuff on and it just really makes its skin red. And I'm thinking, and, and you just keep doing it. But it's good for him. Of course. I mean, this dog looked, it looked horrible. It just looked so red and inflamed and miserable and just this sweet little dog. And, uh, he, and he's just keep doing it. Like, I just don't understand what people are thinking. Did you tell him you're a vet? No, no, didn't, didn't even, didn't, didn't even go there. I, I just, you know.
1: I, I want I to say like, I, I should I send like, you one of these sweatshirts. Or one of these shirts, you walk around, <laughs> walk around, they'll be like, "What is raw food?" And then you go, "Well, here's what I can tell you about that crap on your dog's back." That's right, exactly. Well, yeah, and stop using the chemicals that are making it red. But... Yeah, that 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 I I've got, I got to make funny commercials because that's how people relate. You know, I just want to you know make these funny commercials that are not funny, uh, but how pet parents actually do respond and react to this stuff. You know, a dog that's just itch, 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 and, you know, got all these toxins in them and they just keep putting the toxins in them.
0: Right. And, and, and they don't understand why. And, and, and I started working on this, uh, our next webinar here, by the way, on itchy skin, because, um, and one of the things I I, 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 I want to really break down is the difference between allergies and inflammation, because I think most, most itchy skin is not true allergy. People automatically say it's allergies. Got to do the allergy testing and got to, you know, treat for allergies when it's not really allergies. It's inflammation due to the inflammatory ingredients in the food and the toxins. And the, and like you said, skin's the biggest organ, the body will try to detox through the skin, and that's what makes most dogs itch. And and leaky gut will, you know, cause this itchiness. It's it this whole idea that it's always allergies. I think really leads people down the wrong path when it comes to this itchy skin stuff. And and then the the wrong things are being addressed because people just start changing the change. It's always and it's always food allergies too. You know, sometimes like dogs with true seasonal allergies, that's really easy. You know, there's a certain month of the year where they itch. You know, there's something out there, something's blooming or something's going to seed or whatever. I mean, that's pretty easy to tell, but it's usually the food that gets blamed and it's usually the meat proteins. And I think that's the least likely cause of allergies. And that's where the path that people tend to go down. And it's all these other inflammatory things that are going on, the vaccines and the flea and tick and the heartworm and all this stuff that the dog's getting, that's what's causing them to itch. And And it just, it just escapes most most people don't even think about it that way, and the veterinary profession ser- certainly doesn't.
1: Let me ask you a question: When the weather starts getting dry, and the furnaces and the heaters come on in the house, do you start to itch, Dr. Jacey? Because I sure do. Oh yeah, get dry. Sure, skin gets drier. Right. So why is it any different for the dogs? Right? They are the the. We start getting calls about itchy dogs and I start seeing my dogs become a little bit itchier because they don't really itch. uh, When we, when the furnace comes on, right. Mm -hmm. When we have our fireplace on, when the furnace comes on, when it's starting to snow, like we just got eight inches of snow. Right. So when the weather starts getting really dry, you have to remember that your dogs have skin too, Right. And so I want to make sure that I have enough omega-3s in their diets. We have a great potency. S E A, potent Mm -hmm. C is a great omega-3, the green lipped muscle, and then real fish. So I up those during this time. And sometimes there's just they're just going to have to go through it, right? There's there are some maybe some oils that you could get down into their skin. You know, it's tough when you have these really long haired dogs. Right. Yeah.
0: Yeah. You know, I am watching, um, Max's coat and, you know, it's puppies, their, their coat changes and his colors, Mm -hmm. you know, is kind of changing and they lose that fuzziness and, and, um, it's like his his coat is is just gorgeous. It's just gorgeous. And he doesn't get dirty. Like he can be out there. I sent that video of him out splashing in the mud puddles and stuff. I'm like, <laughs> oh, God, Very cute. Oh, muddy. Um, And maybe that soil was kind of sandy or something. But what I'm noticing with him, it's like he can be out all wet now. And, and then he just dries and it just sort of comes off of him. And I think it's because he's got these natural oils in his fur. You know, I've, I previously had chihuahuas that just have really, you know, like, Short coats and you know they're a whole different ball game, but I watch max and like and his coat is just shiny and sleek, and it stays clean and I'm like, well, if you just like kept bathing him, you'd be stripping all those natural oils off of there i I can't even think of why i I would do that unless he got into something like really, really disgusting, but um, he just stays clean like i, I it's like it's like the body can can handle things they do a little extra nutritional support but you know the 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 body knows how to stay healthy and and balanced it's 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 really amazing to watch it
1: i i can't remember when we gave my two dogs a bath now asta it's hard for her to be hard for her to go to a a place and and have a bath right Mm -hmm. because her her legs are so weak but um or that one knee, and Dr. Andy uh, came over to the house and did a house call last week and she said, "You know that hip is bone on bone." so mm-hmm. that uh, that's what's going on with with Asta. But I will say this: even Asta at almost 15, with bone on bone, that dog, she would crawl if she had to in the kitchen to eat her raw food. She would that she wakes us up every morning at 7 a.m. Doing her bark, 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 because I need my food. Right. So I'm always um, befuddled by these dogs that, you know, don't like raw. I mean, whatever. I could go on forever with that. Uh, But I'm going to come back to this veterinary oncologist,
0: Mm -hmm. this
1: extremely intelligent, Person and I'm sorry if it offends anybody because I call this person stupid. But what they have written is clearly stupid. Okay, what does stupid mean? What is the definition of stupid, Doctor Jasic? I mean, is it just like it's not researched or it's, uh, you know, I, I don't know. But yeah. this is clearly stupid to me. I'm sorry. I'm. Not, I, I mean, this writing well, it,
0: doesn't, it doesn't it doesn't make it doesn't make any sense. And to come from a medical professional to put something out that doesn't make any logical sense. And they clearly have no experience with raw blends that, you know, they say, well, it can cause blockages. Well, no, they don't, you know, um, you know, or, or, you know, telling people well, avoid these types of things because that could be a problem, but no, it's just raw is, you know, causes all these things. It doesn't, it doesn't make any, any sense. And it's just very, you know, ignorant. Just ignorant. And, and as a medical, it's not a stupid person. This person went through veterinary school. That's more about programming than. Beg
1: to differ. <laughs> You're too kind.
0: They're just, they're just, they just got the money to go through and then they get a piece of paper. And
1: yeah. I mean, I, I, I... Okay. So then, then we go to home-cooked diets. I mean, she is going to cover her bases to get you back to heels and pre and pro plan because now we're going on to home-cooked diets, Dr. Jasek. And she, now I say she, I don't know if this is she or he. I really don't. Well, you um, gotta
0: watch those pronouns, Dee. Dee. You're going to get in a whole world. Oh, that's trouble.
1: right. I just, I have no idea. Okay. How about just say they, and then we're good. Okay. They said this, uh, that uh, in in the home-cooked diets, while carefully made, home-cooked diets can be a safe alternative to commercial diets, but there is currently no evidence that a home-cooked diet has any nutritional benefits over commercial diets, and at the risk of nutrient deficiency and other imbalances, they're significantly increased. With these home cooked diets, I, I hope I read that correctly. It sounded a little muffled there, uh, but she said multiple studies. Again, what studies? Can we see them? She said multiple studies have shown that unless carefully designed by a oh my board certified veterinary nutritionist. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Okay, please. We know what they're. We know what they're worth. I've seen those. Uh, I've seen those diets. Okay, and unless. The, the, the food, the home-cooked food has been carefully designed by a board-certified veterinary nutritionist, nearly 100%, Dr. Jacek, 100% of home-cooked diets are nutritionally unbalanced. But if you would like to feed a home-cooked diet, we recommend consulting with a board-certified veterinary nutritionist at about $700, I I added that, Uh, (laughs) specifically designed for your pet.
0: Mm -hmm. And I guess they probably have one of those at the university too.
1: Oh, they give the link. They give the link so you can get directly there. Now I want to say something else about a home cooked diet. So, you know, um, uh, the farmer's dog, the farmer's dog, beautiful, beautiful advertising, great commercials. But we have a lot of those folks come over because their dogs have UTIs or they can't clear up their skin problems. And I and I had a new customer call me the other day and she said, before you go, I can I just give you, I, I just want to tell you something. And I was like, okay. And she said, we were on Farmer's Dog and my dog's skin was awful. She said the digestive issues never cleared up. They were awful. And she said, and our trainer recommended that we try your food. And she said, I just want to tell you, no more gut issues, no more skin problems. And she said, I have so many friends that are on uh, the farmer's dog. And she said, I'm going to tell them all. I said, great. So, yeah. um, So, uh, you know, I mean, is it a step up from kibble? (sighs) Yeah. 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 I'm going to say the farmer's dog probably is a step Mm -hmm. up from kibble, right? Because it's at least not cooked to death.
0: It's not as, it's not as, it's not as processed, but still a really carb heavy and lots of synthetics and, and, and we don't know what, like there's not truth of labeling on some of this stuff. They can hide ingredients like that, that, you know, God awful fresh pet stuff. You know, like if you look at the ingredients, it's like, well, the ingredients don't sound too terribly bad, but then you look at it and it just looks like this synthetic mush. Like, I, maybe it's just the way they process the heck out of it. Like, I, I don't know, but I tell people it looks like a bologna roll to me and I wouldn't touch bologna. So don't bologna your dogs either.
1: <laughs> bologna your dogs. Yeah, it's, um, you know, when when a dog's having... Issues and and people will come to me and they will say, Well, I I think that this raw dog food company's food is bad. And I have to disagree, you know, with most of them, right? I will say, I don't think that you're getting like contaminated food or anything like that. Because most raw dog food companies are are pretty good. If they have meat, bones, organ, and fat, Mm -hmm. it's the ones that feel like they gotta throw the kitchen sink in there right? Mm-hmm. With kelp and flaxseed and these seeds and this oil, salmon oil, coconut oil. And I say, I, I couldn't tell you what your dog's reacting to. There's too much stuff.
0: Yeah, I don't know. Right? Right? Because right? they need something more. I hear that a lot for people. Don't they need something more than, like more than what? Like real food? Like they don't need something more, but people do think they do, or they need fiber. What's with the fiber? The f- Fiber mentality. Dogs have to have have to have fiber, you know. Um, so people like they have to add they like they have to add pumpkin or some or green beans or something because they need that fiber. And I'll ask people, why do why do you think your dog needs fiber? And they don't know. They just think they do. Like, well, stop it. <laughs> they don't need all that extra stuff. The, you know, the meat, bones, organs, maybe a little produce, um, but they, they don't they don't need a bunch of extra fiber. Like people get these ideas. I think this comes from the human side. There must be a lot of
1: constipated people in our world, I think, that need all the hey, out. My sphincter, <laughs> my sphincter hurts. <laughs> right? I get it. I get it. I don't want my sphincter to hurt. Uh, but but you know, it doesn't I don't know. There are some people that have problems with constipation. Maybe there are some dogs that eat too much bone. Right. And I will say that there are days when, you know, Lazi gets a beef neck bone. By the way, the next time you place an order, let me know. I'm gonna stick you some beef neck bones in there for Max. Okay. Okay, cool. Be- because Max would love these. Now don't give him more than one a week, right? Because the, the people that actually give a dog like a and maybe Dr. Billinghurst would disagree with me, but um, and that's fine. And maybe I'm wrong, but I don't give my dogs too much bone throughout the week. Like if they'll get a beef neck bone because Lozzie and I suspect Max would do the same thing. She, a, a beef neck bone is about the size of a, you know, filet. Right. But there's a lot of bone. There's a lot of beef on it. Lozzie will eat that down this big, right. D- mm-hmm. d- down to about a, 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 you know, a silver dollar size. Then I take it away and I throw it away and she won't try to swallow that. But she actually does consume all that bone. She mm-hmm. loves it. Um, And the poops are going to be a little harder. Now, if I did that every single day,
0: mm-hmm.
1: maybe much. the maybe the poops would be too much. But I don't know. Uh, Dr. Billinghurst, when are you going to be on with Dr. Billinghurst, by the way?
0: It's November 12th. I actually, I, I pushed it out a little bit because I wanted to get his book, his point of bone Ed cancer book. Right. book uh, so I could look at that before I I went on with him. So I I went on his calendar and I, I picked a date like a couple of weeks out so I could, I could order his book and I have his book. I haven't looked at it yet. Hopefully (laughs) I'll look at it before I get on because that was the whole idea, but you know how that goes. Right. Um, But I wanted to get a little, a a little idea of his take, um, his perspective on cancer.
1: So November
0: 12th is when we're gonna be on
1: nice, nice. Um, Maybe, maybe, and I don't know, you guys will be talking about cancer and it'd be interesting. Um, Neely does have that book, Pointing the Bone at Cancer. I don't have that one. I have the other two. Uh, He has four, but um, he's a big, big fan, right? A big fan of raw meaty bones, Mm -hmm. raw meaty bones. And in a much larger proportion than what we have in the raw blends, right? Mm -hmm. So I'm thinking, all right. And he was a veterinary surgeon, right? And so I wish I had more time. I hope I can get him back on the podcast. But I would like to ask him this question, Doctor Billinghurst: Did you do much surgery on bone blockages from those dogs that you were prescribing to eat raw meaty bones? I'll I'll try to. I'll try to remember and ask him. Yes, I. I. You know, I because I don't know which way your conversation is going to go. But I mean, obviously, it's, it's a Cancer talk because you guys are 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 cancer Mm -hmm. specialists, and I would be very interested, and so would our listeners. How many of these dogs, you know, did you have to open up and pull a big piece of bone out of? Yeah,
0: Uh, I'm guessing. I'm guessing not too many. I think, and I think the key is, and what people, it's like you know, we do these mistletoe injections, and every pet's different. People have to watch how their pet does. And people just that somehow people are not comfortable with that. Like they just, just tell me exactly what to do and what I can do every day for the next six years to keep my pet healthy and I'll do it. But if they have to think for themselves or monitor their pet and make decisions on that, that's hard for them. And I think where sometimes I modify, like I'd be perfectly comfortable giving Max a raw meaty bone and see how he does. Maybe his, poops will be fine. Maybe they'll be a little dry. If they're a little dry, then I know, okay, don't give that much bone too often, but it's just so hard for people to get their head around, like, well, watch how they do and monitor them. Cause then people want to know, okay, how many times a week can I give my dog a raw meaty bone? Well, you have to watch your dog. And that's where like, sometimes I'll shy away from certain recommendations because Sure enough, you know, you say that people don't pay attention and then they're given too much bone and their dog's constipated and they go, like, okay, I'm not gonna feed this raw anymore. So this whole idea of you have to watch your pet and, and see how it does. And I bet, you know, Dr. Billinghurst would say the same thing. Pets tolerate different amounts of bone, and you have to see, you know, how how they do on it.
1: Well, if I Gave Lay a lot of bone, and I saw that that raw meaty bone would cause her to have too stiff of poops, right? Then I probably would change it up like this. I wouldn't stop giving her the raw meaty bones. I would feed a tripe meal after that, yeah, yeah. right? because there is it's calcium What's phosphorus it? balance. easy. Some people would say, well, I'm going to feed extra organs. Now, my dogs do like organs. There are some dogs that don't, but I maybe just would do organs. But then at the next day, I saw, well, the poops are too loose because I did bone and then I did organ. Well, then I might do a blend with bone in it, but then add extra organs. There's so many things that you can do. And I find it fun to be able to do that but i think that many people today are absolutely paralyzed mm-hmm. paralyzed they are they're afraid to even go away from the feeding chart i get so many questions people are like well my dog can't lose weight feed him less right and look at all the other things that are going into the diet mm-hmm. right typically it's not that you're feeding a Turkey PMR or a turkey HVM that has a fourteen percent fat, because mm-hmm. invariably there's a ten percent fat in there as well, right? The other one is my dog's so skinny. Well, how much are you feeding? Let's bump it up, right? Let's bump it up. If we have to put a higher fat in there, okay, we can do that. But first, let's just bump the food up. Yeah, I think it would be logical.
0: Like, well, just they're too thin. Are they eating? I guess the first question I ask, you know, well, are they eating? Oh yeah. Ravenous appetite. Well then feed them. more. You know, if they're not eating, then we have a different situation, but if they're eating and especially if they're ravenous, then yeah, feed them more. They have different metabolic demands. If they're too heavy, then feed them less. I mean, it's, it's pretty simple manipulation, but yeah, people want just tell me exactly what to do. But our, you know, our culture is like that. I mean, I think our culture is designed to kind of make people dependent on asking questions and dependent on authority and not thinking for themselves. But I'm like you, I like this variety. I like the idea like, Oh, what am I going to put Max's bowl this time? Right know, And, and you mix it up. And I think that's, that's good for them. They get used to this variety, you know, and uh, it's, it's, it's healthy for them and then they don't get just kind of stuck, get used to eating just one thing, but this really seems to make make people nervous. To me, it feels freeing to say, okay, because people ask me all the time, "Well, did you have any, damn, recipes?" I'm like, well, I really don't. I have like, you know, concepts and percentages, and I, I don't really push too many people towards doing this on their own because I think it's hard to, to do a really good quality diet, you know, shopping on the on the human side. Um, but I would think it would be freeing for people to not have to follow these exact recipes and you can kind of mix and match. And if you don't have some of the stuff you normally feed, well, you know what to do, but <sighs> people don't seem to like that. They seem to like, just tell me what to do.
1: What's because they get these, they get these letters from these veterinary oncologists that say everything that you feed is going to kill your dog. It's going to be imbalanced. You're going to be uh, bacteria. Uh, Laden and they're going to be antibiotic resistant. Okay. Yeah. The way that you get around that is you tear that up and you throw it in the trash and you say sphincter news in the trash. (laughs) I'm sorry, I I just you know somebody emailed us the other day and they said, I just need to know if your salmon, you know, is safe for dogs.
0: Nick, no, it's poison.
1: We like (laughs) to poison our customers. Part of our business model. I, you know, because I've read that salmon has this, you know, uh, bacteria in it, this, you know, and you have to, it has to be frozen for a certain amount of time about, okay, yes, we understand that. It's not like that's, oh my gosh, we've been, we've been selling this salmon and we had no idea. No, come on guys. (laughs) We're not... I I don't know. I don't know why people think that. I mean it's I maybe they think we do this in our garage. Maybe. <laughs> I, I I it baffles me
0: to know what or figure how why people think the way because but I think they, you know, they get online and they read stuff and they read about salmon. And you know, you get information based on how you search for something something. If you search for is salmon safe for dogs or is salmon dangerous for dogs? Well, you're gonna find reasons why salmon could be dangerous for your dog and don't believe everything you read on the internet. I mean, that may sound, well, duh, but a lot of people do and a lot of it, it, it's gonna be slanted depending on how you search for it. If you search for the health benefits of um, salmon in dogs, you're gonna get a whole different list of options than is salmon dangerous for dogs. So you have to think about what you're looking for because you just find what you're looking for. <laughs> people are worried about salmon being dangerous. You're gonna find, you can find anything. I mean, apple seeds have cyanide in them. So you give your dog an apple. Is it or a piece of apple or something? You know, people share a little piece. Oh, is this gonna poison my dog? No, like one seed, no. You know, or or avocados or stuff. I mean, anything. If you eat enough of it is not going to be, you know, good for your dog. But, you know, we just have to have to use some common sense here.
1: Right. But then, Dr. Jacek, we can just fix it. We can just put the kibble fixer right on there. We need the fast food fixer. We're going to open up that hamburger and we're going to jump, dump this little sprinkle, this fairy dust in there and make it good. Okay. Mm -hmm.
0: Then there'll be 610 ingredients in it.
1: (laughs) That is right. <laughs> that is right. Hey, you've got a great sub stack and you put a lot of great information and even put that video of Sweet Max out there. So if people want to get on your sub stack so they get your great information daily, weekly, monthly, yearly, whatever, uh, where do they go? What is that link to get on your sub stack?
0: It is Judy Jacek, DVM. Dot substack.com
1: And JASIC is J A S E K. J A S E K. Okay.
0: D V M, not D M V. D M V, Department of yeah. Motor Vehicles.
1: <laughs> <All> right. D V M. Dr. Veterinary Medicine. <laughs> right, right. And listen, you can Zoom and work with Dr. jasek anywhere you are in the world. All you have to do is go over to A H A Vet.com. Her team will pick you up. And uh, make sure that you're a fit and then you can move on. And, you know, let's say you get a a letter like the one we just took apart and it's befuddling you, right? It's got your sphincter all in a bunch. Uh, I think that you could go over and work with Dr. Jacek and she would help you feel much better, right? Uh, help you uh, take these things apart and not be so frightened and you know, as you always say, Dr. Jacek, if it's not working, why are well, you still doing it? Right? right. You just keep Isn't that doing the
0: definition it? definition of insanity? Just keep doing the same thing and expecting a different
1: result. I'm feeding my dog this pre-to pro plan. I'm feeding them this hills and their poops are terrible. I need some antibiotics, please. That's right. <laughs> I, I need I need more. Uh, okay, now we're gonna move over to Royal Canaan. Poops are yeah. still bad. Oh, no, let's just stop feeding them chicken. That'll work. <laughs> That's it. That's it. The, chicken. Uh, the poor chicken gets blamed. Well, yeah, everything gets blamed, uh, except the toxins that need to be blamed. All right. I'll get off my rant uh, until the next podcast. Right. D- just well, until like we well, like to rant. Well, I'm sorry. We're in the pet health business. And if it doesn't make you mad, then we're going to have to say, what's wrong with you? It makes us mad. Yeah. Because we're we we want to see pets healthy, happy like that fox. I, I I'm gonna tell you that fox looks so healthy, Doctor jasek It was beautiful. Mm-hmm. All those oh, two it's eating. It, it, it's eating all raw, and it's having yeah. a good time eating raw. And you know, okay, we should have fun with our food.
0: That's right. You can toss it up in the air and throw it around a little bit
1: and. <laughs> I don't know. That's the way that, that nature is. And, and sometimes we just don't, you know, it's like the beyond me, you know, we're trying to change everything, make it all lab grown, make it all what it wasn't created and, and raw food, dogs, cats were created to eat raw, not cooked, not right. kibble.
0: They don't have Great. a foldable thumb. So it's very hard for them to start a fire. It is to cook their food. Yes. It's very difficult. So they yeah. just eat it raw. It's a lot they, simpler
1: too, really. Right, right. All right, everybody, get over to rawdogfoodandcompany.com. We can help you get on a species-appropriate diet. Remember, every Wednesday night, we got that yappy hour thing going. It's sales, sales of food, bones, treats, and supplements. We got it all right here at rawdogfoodandcompany.com, where your pet's health is our business. And what, Dr. Jasek? Friends, don't let friends fix kibble or feed kibble. That is right. All right. We'll see you next week, everybody. Uh, Actually, I'll see you tomorrow. But Dr. Jasek, we'll see you next week. Oh, snap. Snap. Find out how you can start your dog on the road to health and longevity. Go to rawdogfoodandcompany.com, where friends don't let friends feed kibble, and where your pet's health is our business. Just snap. Waiting on a tax return? Hopefully it ends up in your hands.